Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Mindful Muslim podcast where I spoke to Hadjar, who is a neuroscience graduate. Um, we spoke about lots of interesting things, including mental health, uh, the Muslim community, um, her interest in neurogenesis. Um, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Do make sure to listen. Assalamu alaikum Hajar. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, let's start with maybe a little introduction. Tell us who you are, what you're doing at the moment, perhaps what you studied at university. Okay. Well, there's not really much to say about me, but <laughs> I'm Hajar. I'm a neuroscience graduate with who's ignited with curiosity. I like to ask why, 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 then what do we do now? And that's why I ended up here, I think. So yeah, that's all I have to say. <laughs> I know you also did a neuroscience. True, 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 true. So there's that. <laughs> um, undergrad like you was biomed. Mm -hmm. I did that at Queen Mary. Yeah. I think was yours Westminster. Yeah. And yeah, so clinical neuroscience at King's. And you're a neuroscience. You see, mine one was, wasn't clinical. Mm. Was your one mainly lab-based? Mm, a bigger course, right? Probably. I don't know. My one was a whole like four years, September to September. Oh, I see. I oh, yeah. No breathing space. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Um, it felt like three years, by the way. It felt longer than my degree. Um, yeah. Tell me more about uh, research that that you've done, your dissertation, what you chose to do it in, and why. Um, well, neuroscience is actually really interesting because it's not just one fixed thing. So. You, for example, we both came from a biomedical background mm. to pursue neuroscience, right? Mm. So we came from sort of a science-y approach or scientific lens. And then I had people in my course who actually did engineering, who did philosophy, who did psychology. So you find that it sort of ties different areas of expertise to this one thing called the brain. So it's sort of like, is the brain a compartment or is it a whole synergy? it's sort of really confusing at some points. And I think you also can see that as well. Um, the reason why I took neuroscience is because um, I'm nosy. I like to know a lot of things, especially things that we can't really know about. Mm -hmm. And the brain is one of them. So I know recently there was like a huge, um, a huge event with one of the leading um, neuroscientists where they sort of, it's sort of the equivalent of like, the BAFTAs, if you want to say, where they can talk about the latest research here and there. Mm -hmm. And because neuroscience is quite a new niche, I would say like 40, 50 years old, mm. um, it's still confusing as how do we research the brain? Mm. Do we see it in terms of compartments? Do we take it from the philosophical approach? How do we tie all these different things? And then you have the whole statistical jargon that comes in. Mm. So it becomes so skewed. And I think that's so interesting to me because it means the more I know, the less I know. Mm -hmm. So the more there is to find out. So the reason why I went into, I went into it is for a few different reasons. Mm -hmm. One of them being personal. I had a close friend who had a situation where it was neurological and I was like, what's going on here? I mm -hmm. want to know. So that um, stimulated me. Um, another thing was that ever since I was small, I was um, so fascinated by the brain, but I didn't really have a leading uh, sort of person that I look up to who knew much about the brain. Right. So I abused Wikipedia that time. <laughs> so still do. Like we so, all do, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's what took me there. Okay. And then, subhanAllah, throughout my research, even though I came really scientific, really wanting to know the mechanisms and this and that, I actually became more attuned to the cognitive part of it, mm -hmm. more of the mental health part of it, mm -hmm. more of understanding the human rather than the machine. Okay. So that's what really took it in another route. My thesis was based on a concept called neurogenesis. Okay. So neurogenesis is the stimulation of new brain cells. Mm. For the longest time, we assumed that all the brain cells or all the nerve cells you have in your body, so those are the only ones you will ever have, mm -hmm. okay? So for example, you have skin cells. So if I shed like my cheek or my skin, I've already lost a couple of skin cells, right? But that will be regenerated. You will right. have them over time. That's why when you like trip and you get a wound, a few your weeks body later, regenerates. Regenerates, right? Right. 
that doesn't happen with the nerve, the nervous system, which is the reason why you have issues like paralysis or like um, ALS and so on. Mm-hmm. So what they found out in recent times is that there is an area of the brain called the dentate gyrus. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've heard of the hippocampus, right? Mm-hmm. That part of the brain is really important. In, involved in memory and Involved in memory and mm-hmm. lots of things. Mm-hmm. So within the hippocampus, there's a small area called the dentate gyrus. Mm-hmm. Think of it as like the corridor in the room. So they found out this particular area mm-hmm. can actually grow new brain cells. Okay. So that was huge. That was huge. So nervous stem cells. So that was huge in the science community because it means, does that mean I can cure? Does that mean I can... Um, facilitates certain things because they found that the dentate gyrus has got to do with spatial awareness and memory and so on. Mm-hmm. So that's where my research was focused on. It was actually okay. focused on um, looking at cognitive performance and from the dentate gyrus with an older, with an older population. Okay. And of course, at master's level, so that results are never coherent. You have to take it to like a ten-year PhD research. But it sort of ignited like um, an interest on. Mm. There's definitely more to find out, especially mm. the connection between um, mental health and the systematic views of neurons. So, for example, they found that the dentate gyrus actually has a role in depression and mood disorders and things like that. Mm. Or how can we stimulate neurogenesis? How can we support this? To help um, prevent to or help prevent cure depression? Not or cure depression as such, but help ease mm. or help stimulate the growth of new brain cells. So they found, for example, intermittent fasting is one. So that's mm. fasting for at least 15 hours, no food. Um, so, so that fasting meant so that fasting more neurons. More, there's a chance of more um, generation of neurons. Yep, it's not a one day thing. It's something that you would have to do for a couple of months mm. and so on to actually see an effect. It's, intermittent mm. fasting is actually a really new field of research that's taken more seriously over time. I yeah. see. Yeah. What other things did you come across that um, would facilitate neuro- neurogenesis? Whether um, whether key things that you came across because so it comes it, subhanallah it ties down to actually very simple things mm. so you know how like we're in like in recent times you see the explosion of multivitamins and doing this yeah, and doing supplements yes yeah. it came down to actually very basic human needs which was exercise mm. intermittent fasting. Mm. Um, replenishment of antioxidants so antioxidants are certain molecules that Mm -hmm. reduce inflammation for example Mm -hmm. um, which are found in like blueberries dark chocolate things Mm -hmm. like that bitter foods Mm -hmm. bitter foods Mm -hmm. Um, so it came down to the very basics subhanallah and it's like when you when you think about these things you're like it actually doesn't take that much to become so balanced so because we're so think we always think that we need this and this and this we actually need to restrict and rather add Mm -hmm. that makes sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah some of the um reading that i've done in terms of neurogenesis also found that uh crunchy food could increase neurogenesis that's a really good point that's (laughs) called mastication Mm -hmm. so there's a few theories why that could happen Mm -hmm. one of them is that crunchy foods can stimulate more blood flow to the brain okay more blood flow means more nutrients go into that area which can stimulate more brain growth Mm -hmm. more brain Mm -hmm. cell growth Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about how neurogenesis has been linked to mental health problems so as I told you, it was just, it was associated with mood disorders and depression. Mm. And if you know about depression, we it's usually got to do with serotonin. And if you know about serotonin, mm-hmm. it's got to do with certain receptors, certain neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. So because it's with depression or with like certain mental health issues, it's never one thing. It's sort of a combination of a network of things, mm-hmm. and that could be one aspect. I see. That's that if to we try to solution. improve neurogenesis, could potentially exactly ease. exactly. Okay. It's mm. not the exact solution because there's so many aspects to it, mm. but it's definitely a method. Yeah. So I can imagine it's still a very ongoing thing, uh, up and coming kind of research yep. where yep. it's a very novel could research. Be, yep. um, the way forward. Yeah. Yep. Utilized in some way yep. to create to p- potentially novel yeah. therapies to help. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It mm. could be seen like as a partner therapy. Okay. Fine. In that sense. Yeah. It's fine. super interesting. I would definitely recommend people to start looking into mm. it and taking it more seriously, mm. especially with regards to intermittent fasting, because not only that on a brain health, but even mm. as a spiritual or mental level, it really does change the game in that sense. Tell me a bit more about uh, what you found in your dissertation in terms of conclusions. What did you So with um, regards to find? conclusions, like I mentioned, it is tricky to sort of find statistical evidence mm. when it comes to a master's level. Mm. But with um, 
other research or upcoming research, they do support the idea that intermittent fasting or that mm. um, neurogenesis is does have um, an impact. Does have an impact. Okay. And especially when we did not know it could because mm. we never knew about this particular area mm. and especially the dentate gyrus where these new brain cells do grow mm. is got to do with a um, a concept called pattern recognition mm-hmm. so the ability to differentiate between a blue shape a blue pen or like a rubber mm-hmm. that distinction or two similar shapes okay. so as we get older we find that our pattern recognition weakens and that mm-hmm. could be because of that particular area mm-hmm. so things like that which we didn't see which was very important is actually very important mm-hmm. and I think that just goes back to the way how everything is connected in the brain it's mm-hmm. really difficult <laughs> to brain map mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. so um so so i think in summary the link between neurogenesis and and mood disorders has been made it's just a case of it's just a case research. of further research replicating reaffirming mm. funding mm. <laughs> um things like that mm. yeah um, I wanted to ask you also what you're doing currently. Mm-hmm. We spoke a little bit off camera about um, what you plan to do this year in the future. I also asked you about PhD and whether you considered that. So, so tell me again um, um, about I that. I think I think we'll we'll also as a society we tend to be very future oriented. So, what's next? What's next? Mm. And never just live a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, for now, alhamdulillah, I think I want to like. Um, indulge in mental health I want to take part in seeing for myself rather than in the books which I have for so long um, giving yourself some time because like you say we're very on to the next thing on to the next always thing always on to the next thing I mm. think we actually have a very difficult time with living in the present because mm. it's the only thing we have but that's the very difficult thing that we do have um, so with regards to a PhD for example PhDs are not as easy as they look mm. first of all they require uh, mental draining and financial draining mm. <laughs> And I think also it's very difficult because you need to understand what your purpose is when it comes to a PhD. Right, and not just doing one for the name. Not just doing one just to get docked at the front, yeah. Um, with a PhD, you need to understand that, I think for me personally, I have to have a purpose when I do a PhD. Mm. Am I doing this just for the sake of saying, I did this and I found this, or I'm doing this to support someone out mm. there? I think that's really important. And you're bringing something new to the realm or exactly. having that impact. Also just being a help to humanity. I think at the end of the day, that's the whole point. We're, we're not soul creatures. No man is an island, if that makes sense. If I'm not going to benefit someone else out there, there's really no What's point. The point? Mm. Yeah, there's really no point mm. to it. Mm. I think we've become so self-centered in the way we deal with things just to up our CV. We actually don't go beyond that. So I think renewal of intentions actually plays a big part when it comes to doing things like a PhD, mm. which is quite a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. So inshallah, this period in your life will be you finding kind of delving deeper into what your but interests are and but possibly possibly taking that into a phd but possibly then being a lot more clear about why you're yeah. doing it in the first yeah, place inshallah i would like to see for myself the way how people are affected the mm. social implications the political the even the islamic from the islamic lens i think that's really mm. important because i do think that's missing in sort of a secular and public institution that's not taken seriously and rightly so because it's not it's not like they care about that mm. but i think also it's an amana for us as muslims to think in that kind of perspective as well because it's very easy to get lost in the <laughs> in the source of things mm. so i think taking time out and seeing things from a bird's eye view helps in that mm. sense rather than tying down to the nitty-gritty and forgetting what your actual purpose is here yeah absolutely for. so hopefully yeah. this time will be you know just excellent for you to oh, to know exactly yeah. what you want to do next yeah. and have a clearer picture of yeah. why you're doing yeah. certain things. Yeah, and also like charities like Inspirited Minds are a good way for you to connect with others, to actually see things for yourself and also put critical thinking in action. I'm interested things how you like came that. across the charity actually. I actually came across through Google research. Okay. I actually didn't hear much, sadly, mm. because I found that there's actually a missing niche with regards to Muslim mental health. Mm. I think there's definitely an urgency because there are so many taboos to break. Mm. So 
I so wish I had earlier, <laughs> but Alhamdulillah, I'm here now. Um, mm. I do. Why did, why did you? Why were you looking? What were you looking for? Because I wanted, like I said, I wanted something to align with my purpose. Mm. I'm like, well, I've studied this. Mm. How can I put it into good use? Okay, this is a way, right? Absolutely. Because otherwise, it's selfish just to have a piece of paper and not do anything with it. Just look pretty on LinkedIn. No, there's more to it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So you were looking at what yeah. I was you said. literally, I was literally searching Muslim mental health and things like mm. that. And I think like America really gets to me because like you have things like the Yaqeen Institute and all mm. this and all that. Mm. And I'm like, where is the UK mm. at this? So I was like, I did a little search and I found Inspirited Mind actually on LinkedIn. And I clicked on it. I'm like, oh, there's some opportunities. Let mm. me just like waffle away. I'm like, yeah, I yeah. really hope they take me seriously. So <laughs> I didn't see no response for like two weeks. I'm like, them ones junk mail material. <laughs> And then a few weeks later, I think like, I think not shortly after I got a response. I'm like, oh, so they are taking me seriously. So subhanAllah, they did to an extent, they invited me to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, alhamdulillah, that's where we're going. Good, fantastic. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about your interest in mental health and specifically the Muslim community. Obviously you're Muslim mm. yourself, mm-hmm. but have you come across a close or distant um, friends or family that have suffered that or have you yourself experienced anything? I think we would be lying if we said we've never come across. I think and the statistics are so high the likelihood is that we would have the issues with statistics as well is that they're not even representative because Mm. how many Muslims would actually disclose yes I do have an issue Mm. because to begin with there's so much stigma surrounding it it's like a bubble of stigma and even like to even let's just get from the beginning what is even mental health mm. because if i were to give you like the dictionary definition mm. of mental health right, mm. like it's like the well-being the mental well-being of a person it takes psychological sociological spiritual self-affirmation all this mm. but then there's such a euphemism with mental illness so it's like automatically if i say mental health to a muslim who doesn't really know they'll mm. automatically think mental illness I'm like, oh no, we can't talk about that. That means that means you're you want to weaken your faith or something mm. like that. Because what happens is there's like there's only two ways to deal with about it. Do I go to my westernized GP or do I go to my loyal imam? So it literally becomes the two. And it's like if I admit I have a problem, that means do I have a problem with my faith? That's the first question. That's isn't the it? first question. Mm. And then you have something like stigma. So stigma, what do we define it as? Like we say it's a we say sort of um, it's a situation where you're not fully accepted, Mm. right? So let's say for example, let's say for example, I know that I have a problem and I don't know how to deal with it and Mm. blah, 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 Mm. blah, blah. Mm. So to actually recognize that you do have a problem is already huge, right? You've come to terms that I suffer from this. Mm. If I were to go to somebody who doesn't understand, let's say a Muslim, let's say family, for example, Mm. that I have this issue. It's Mm. like, what are you talking about? Mm. Go pray away or something like that right and it's sort of dissettling because you have two concepts of stigma there's like social stigma which the muslim community really suffers from which is the denial of an acceptance of if someone has an issue and then you have something even worse which is self-stigma self-stigma is sort of propagated by social stigma the only reason why someone would have a stigma within themselves is because of social stigma initially initially so Mm. self-stigma is your own rejection of your own situation right which as you say is so much more dangerous it's so much more dangerous so much more problematic and actually interestingly you know for people who say it's shameful i genuinely think because they're the ones who are suffering first and they don't want to admit it ironically i actually think it's one of the symptoms of a mental health issue if you're telling me it's a shame because i would say yeah you need a guy yeah it's 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 really sad what it's sort of become because our religion doesn't even go with like um, go pray away or deal with that we if we were to take things seriously communication is such a big deal it's far more practical it's it makes sense though because I feel like if you're going to keep pushing it away just manifests into something worse right it's like me denial of situations and then what is that going to turn to like anxiety or is it going to become even worse or Mm. like one thing leads to another yeah and stop you from living yeah you're sort of normal life yeah i feel like the idea with normal life though i feel as i'm growing up i'm learning that everybody has a battle right Mm. everybody has like so many battles in some form or or another another. some people don't realize they do but some people really do and they don't know where to go from here Mm. 
so for example like say if i have a friend or a family member that i know they're battling a mental health Mm. issue or something like that Mm. i actually um i actually congratulate them on like so you recognize that you want to do something about this so Mm. even admitting it to yourself getting over the self-stigma is a huge first step it's a huge first step because you've been conditioned and you've grown up in such an environment where to not talk about this ever it stunts you Mm. it really does stunt you Mm. because you end up like sort of perfecting your social mask and hiding your character very true so it's sort of and then it doesn't help being a diaspora or growing up with like first generation and things like mm-hmm. that you have and that's sort of further perplexed with identity issues so like where do we go from here and then where do i seek comfort in like a secular way of like dealing with mental health and like and things like that when there is like so many things i can do first i think the way how we define mental health is already an issue mm-hmm. so it's seeing it as a way to mental illness rather than mental well-being is already wrong first of all and also we have the way that we deal with emotions our emotional jargon first of all is horrible Mm. we do not know how to formulate we do not know how to say i'm feeling this so i think with a muslim community we're like a pressure cooker of frustration right i'm feeling angry this is unjustified there's a lot of victim blaming here and there Mm -hmm. but we don't say why i read this thing where it says when you're feeling something ask why three times because with the third why you get to the root mm. so say for example my brother's angry mm. i'm like why are you angry he's like because you didn't put this away mm. i'm like well why are you angry it's like because every time i tell you you don't listen <laughs> i was like oh so you're angry because i'm not listening to you he's mm. like you're not taking me seriously so he feels emotionally invalidated because i'm not respecting his listening right right so it that's the core of the that's the core of it mm. so all it took for me is just to say why out of being annoying but it I think we need to sort of strip the way how we deal with these when it comes to emotions because Mm. um, it's actually interesting. You find the really tough, guarded people are actually the most um, hurt people when it comes to dealing Mm. with situations like that Mm. or sort of the alpha situation. (laughs) And yeah, so I don't know where I was going with this. It's very interesting though because these are all things that techniques or ways Mm. that I will bear in mind because I think like you say the barriers to communication are so many mm. but if we only you know somebody like you would would explain yeah or, or educate mm. you could then um yeah change or or you know uh make better the way that you're communicating I feel like and it's such a simple thing just asking why thing I feel like where we do what we can go wrong it's like it's being I'm unapologetically myself mm. or just love yourself and everything it's too sorted. far extreme i think it's first of all it's too far extreme and it's so egotistical it doesn't even make sense mm. because you're telling me to love myself myself that nerves is like it's the thing that's ruining me <laughs> i think we should love i think we should be compassionate with ourselves Absolutely. rather than this thing called love love because mm. it can be very obscured with does it mean that i'm supposed to like treat myself every single time mm. or does it mean i need to wake up an hour earlier to sort of nourish my thinking mm. if that makes sense try and There's, figure out that balance try and, and figure out that balance you. what works for you mm. and also like start to question yourself start to question your actions or like to achieve mental car- clarity sort of think why did i react like this was it conscious or was mm. I an autopilot? Mm. Yes, my emotion, I can't control it, but surely I can tr- control my action towards it. Absolutely, Things your like reaction to, to what's yeah, happening. Yeah, my reaction to what's happening inside my own head. <laughs> so, because I think we tend to be very reactive, especially mm. with the way social media or the online community is set up nowadays. Everything's so instant. Everything's so instant. Cancel culture is the latest trend cancel culture is like say if someone comes out and makes a mistake this person is cancelled oh my god unfollow unsubscribe i don't know if you've heard of it but there's sort of an obsession with like attacking Mm. people no i haven't i feel very old no 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 yeah it's such a thing now (laughs) tell me yeah cancel culture is like the latest trend cancel cancel okay it's like say if someone said something out of line it's like oh my god i knew this person was a horrible treacherous human being they need to be cancelled it makes sense because when they were seven years old they made someone trip and blah 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 oh yeah goodness. yeah it gets it gets like ridiculous. i saw this coming it's almost yeah. reaffirming what you yeah. already thought about which is, them which is just a bias which is mm. like a bias and a fallacy right there so yeah i think with and also <laughs> it which just brings social media is a funny thing but mm. it just brings another thing where people say 
um, me being on social media, oh, that's not me. Who have you see online? That's not me. And I actually find that that's really not true because I'm mm. like, we probably, we are so much more present online than we are offline. Because if you see everyone offline, they're on their phone being online. So you're trying to tell me, then which part is you? Mm. Are you just like a walking entity now? Like, which part is you then? So I'm like so confused. Like, how do you, are you trying to reject yourself by not being yourself? It's so confusing. <laughs> what do you think are the, good aspects of any of social media i think networking with the right people okay but then the good aspects can only come if you know what you want mm. right because if i'm following ten thousand people and they're all fashion pages and you're telling me social media is toxic <laughs> you're not helping yourself though mm. you're not helping yourself it's mm. like re renew your intentions what do i want to learn how can this affect my daily life every time i'm scrolling mindlessly yes. can i get something out how of it? is this useful how to is me? this useful to mm. me me going on the bus and just reading something a definition is that much more better than like seeing the latest celebrity i don't know got the latest surgery or something absolutely like that? i think what you said before it really resonates about asking yourself more questions yeah. questioning your own actions yep. before others because what we tend to do mm. we judge ourselves by intentions and others by judgments right absolutely we tend to do that quite a lot and then and thank god our judgments doesn't come into play because god is the best judge here because our judge our judgments is skewed by the daily like for me like our lenses are like always changing i assumed the majority of the time what you know is an assumption anyway absolutely it really is that and I think that's the whole point of questioning you're trying to like get to the root of things and mm. get to the raw truth of things right mm. and inshallah knowing more about yourself and who you are allows you to know others better as well I think that that is a pivotal role mm. I think personally for me like discovering myself or getting to know myself mm. removing the social mask mm. and actually finding do I get triggered by this? What ticks me off? Mm. How did I react? Is it fair? Things like that. I'm able to understand another person because that's probably the way they process things as well. Yes. So, so, so subhanAllah, like I've become like a while ago, I would be such an impatient person mm. to the extent it's like, cause if someone's doing something and I'm like, oh, there's such a bad way of doing this. Why don't they just do A, B, C, da, 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 da. Mm. But then surely if I think I did this to reach here, they're probably thinking the same thing. So it's only right to be patient for them to reach their own destination. Why would you rush that? Absolutely. They're on yeah. their own journey and yeah. you, you may have had a similar one before. I think it's also yeah. about remembering where you yeah. started from or came yeah. from. I think it's really important to reflect in that sense. Mm. Really, really important. I mm. think reflection is actually an active process. Right. It's something, it's a mental exercise. I think it, it has, reflection has become a bit of a, I don't know, just a thing that people say and there's not what a lot do of you substance think behind yes, it anymore. I agree. What do you, like, how would you define reflection? Mm, I would say practical things like mm. during prayer or journaling mm. or doing something. Mm. Journaling is a really good one to me. Mm. Journaling is a really good one. I've recently, I've recently spoke to, a, to my friend something called future journaling, which I came across a psychologist online. And what she does is that she focuses on a pattern once a month. It's like, I want to develop this pattern. Okay. Um, it's like, dear my future self, I would like to develop this pattern. This is what I'm grateful for if I do achieve through these patterns and I'm hoping to become this. So what mm. you're actually doing is you're rewiring in that sense, your brain, your neuronal circuits, because by writing it down, I'm making a conscious effort mm -hmm. to do it in my daily life, mm -hmm. right? And I think, for example, if I want to improve discipline, for example, mm -hmm. now discipline, if we know it, it comes into every wall in life. So I'll take that to the gym, to my prayer, to eating healthy, things like that. So making that conscious discipline, that future journaling, and also there's that resistance with yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like you have two people fighting, and I don't know if it's just you, but with me, my future self is always like some incredible person. It's like, whoa, she's efficient. She's a badass. <laughs> she can do everything that she wants to do. And I'm just here looking like a slump. I'm like, <laughs> how is she going to get there? Mm. How is she going to get there? We have such an idealistic versions of ourselves, Absolutely. but we don't want to take that way. But you find it um, motivating to journal, to future journal? I think... And you're giving yourself a time scale as well. I think with a time scale, I like to be more goal oriented than a time scale because mm. I think with a time scale, I'm rushing myself and maybe my journey takes. And if you don't achieve it, you might. And if I don't achieve it, I'm mm. already like setting negative connotations yeah. to it. Yeah. And then it will put me off. Mm. So I think um, more importantly is commitment. 
I think commitment and consistency over than motivation and things like that. Because motivation, mm. I think, is associated with like a with like a dopamine pop, right? Right. Mm. Next Monday, new diet sort mm. of thing. Motivation is actually we actually have sort of um, a fetish with motivation in recent times. Social mm. media, and it's like I don't know if you see like forex traders or the latest ceos like this is how i got my million and this mm. like that and everyone's inspired for like five minutes yeah. so this whole motivation and toxic positivity i'll say mm. because with the things with motivation toxic positivity we're not actually dealing with why do you want to do it okay what purpose okay you want to be rich why mm. to get a big house okay after that why what for mm. so i think by rooting it to our fundamental roots in my case as a Muslim, is where is it going to take me when I die? Right. I think that's, I think reflections on death do help mm. because like, Absolutely. I think sometimes we forget that we're mortal. We are. <laughs> we have an end date. So things like that do take into effect when you're reflecting though because it sort of gives you sort of like, actually, maybe I should take things more seriously. Mm. So for example, recently I saw a video on um a parent and uh, an older child, he's like a man, but he was with his mom outside. Okay. And she was she suffers from dementia. Okay. So she doesn't know who her son is, right? Mm. And he takes her out to like a cafeteria or like a restaurant or something mm. like that. And mm. he's just discussing with her. He's like, mom, do you remember me? Things like that. And she's like, I don't know who you are. Mm. And at that point I felt my heart ripped. So I'm like, so sometimes when my mom's liking me, oh, can you do this? Can you do that? And I'm taking it like, and I'm just taking it lightly on like, yeah, or me when I'm ready, when I want to, when mm. I'm... And then these, like, little moments of just interaction of my mom recognizing who I am. Like, that's already huge when I see... Appreciating that. Just appreciating and being grateful because they're, like, what is there to be with, like, with Jennings? Like, there's a big thing on gratitude now. Absolutely. Uh, but with gratitude, it tends to be very simplistic. It's, like, I'm grateful for waking up. Mm. Well, why are you grateful for waking up? What could mm. you do to wake up? Like, everyone's awake, but not everyone's alive. Mm. sort of thing so if I'm waking up the reason why I'm grateful for waking up because it means I have a chance to do this okay. or I can better at this mm. therefore I can do this things like that mm. so yeah it's a really the whole thing with getting to know yourself and reflections is a whole dense topic because I think we really lack on how to deal with that because with that comes emotional reasoning and the best way and interestingly with emotional reasoning questioning my emotions or validating things here and there or other people's which is more important mm. developing empathy more importantly de developing compassionate empathy which is actually really different from sympathy because i don't know a lot of people tend to be confused with sympathy and empathy right yeah like i can be sympathetic like say okay you hurt yourself mm. like i get it that's hard for you but i don't necessarily feel what you're feeling mm. but empathy i'm i'm really feeling what you're feeling for mm. example if you see a close friend or your mom cry you start crying for no reason i'm like ouch i'm crying so that's empathy right you're mm. feeling the emotions that it took to reach there right. and more importantly is compassionate empathy so it's like i'm feeling your emotions but i want to help mm. and this is where we're stuck in a muslim community so it's like I get it must be hard going on through something like that but doing to help is like that's your problem though like that's one last pound Tyler like that's your problem wow yeah. how do you think we can overcome that especially when it comes to mental health what what do you think are the things that that we can try to bear in mind these different things so I mean as an individual so to start with active listening can help mm. so when I talk about the things in the grand scheme so there's a lot of things we can do but for an individual purpose i think there are key character traits we need to take active listening is one so when i say active listening i don't mean just hearing somebody out yeah must be tough mm. all right it's me taking into account knowing this is what they're trying to tell me this mm -hmm. is what they're trying to reach to mm -hmm. therefore how can we go from here together that journey of listening that journey of me taking in what you're saying and contextualizing it to bettering yourself mm -hmm. is already something so i'm not saying for like um muslim leaders to necessarily be psychiatrists and things like that mm. but acknowledging there is an issue or say yeah you're right actually so this is how we can do it we can um we can recommend you the service or things like that knowing that there's help out there mm. because the amount of barriers we have in the muslim community be it cultural family um economical mm. or even say for example language the way we're brought up here we speak prop 
possibly better English than our parents, right? Yeah. So when it comes, for example, I don't know if you go with your parents or your auntie to a GP and like mm. you have to translate, yeah. that's already a barrier, right? To like a physiological lead, let alone a mental health one. So I think people who are in neuroscience or who are in psychology or like mm. psychiatry or medicine, mm. there needs to be a sort of investment when it comes to dealing with uh, Muslims and mental health, especially right. with various ethnic minorities, because you'd be surprised the amount of the silence epidemic that mm. is going on. Mm. It's huge. Mm. It's I mean, huge. you mentioned like the first barrier of of, of you taking the step to realize mm that you're unwell mm-hmm. and then the bar- the other barriers come into play where yeah. you do go and see a health professional mm-hmm. and, and then the health professional you know you've overcome that big step but then where do we go from here mm. it's sort of like okay I've taken I've I've done what I've done now I have to deal with my family why or you know why yeah my family or why am I not getting better or oh, yeah. you know oh oh must be like um the thing is a bit tricky because it's like it's like you may feel better alone but then when it comes to with family or with like the outside world you're like do I seek more comfort in like the western approach rather than the actual because it becomes bad like oh so the muslim so my like religion doesn't deal with this kind of side Mm. or it's like everything is a taboo or I shouldn't talk about that because we don't really have these problems and things like that and then there's also something which is sad that you see is blaming yourself so for example so, oh it's because I don't take my peers seriously mm. or oh I must deserve this oh God is punishing me and already that's that sort of becomes and then your your own faith becomes fragmented because you wanted to get closer to begin with but you become more detached mm. like oh so it's supposed to be like that it's one of those ones it's really really tricky because there's there's obviously the way how we deal with educating on that front is I haven't seen it myself mm. like the the whole Islamic psychology thing, I think it's it's been there, but it's never been sort of out there. So, it's, so for example, like if you're a 14 year old adolescent mm. and you're growing up with like different ethnicities and different religious beliefs and different mm. agendas and mm. things like that. And you're already, and that's the time where you're formulating your thoughts and becoming more- Your identity. Your identity. And then mm. new kinds of like approaches to how to, or like identifying with different things, for example, mm. like feminism and things like mm. that. And you're like, this is where I feel most at home and mm. all that. And your sense of, sudden, of belonging. Your sense of belonging, which as um, as a Muslim, the Ummah is where you should really feel home, right? Mm. And that's the part where you feel as though you've been like kicked out. Yeah, even not physically, but like mentally, you're like, okay, like I'm just part of a parade at this point so it's like how do I deal with that or who do I go to Mm. or I can't tell my mom I'm having these thoughts otherwise Mm. I'll be treated as this or she's going to send me to him and he doesn't know what to do it's so tricky because there isn't a medium to talk there isn't a medium to sort of acknowledge there isn't a medium to validate it's like you're okay to think like that yes now where do we go from here Mm. and actually if we think about it subhanAllah the prophets before they actually received the message they all went through so a, a series of introspection. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't just like here, here's the message, go spread it out. Mm. Ibrahim alayhi salatu salam, he was like always perplexed in thoughts, thinking, is this right? Is this not right? It's not like that. You don't just get to enlightenment or you don't just get to the message by just like receiving it. It doesn't work like that. There mm. is a, there should, there's nothing wrong with struggling. And doubting and questioning. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. It can be the beginning of a very fruitful blossoming. Mm. And that's the difference. It's like, am I going to be fertilized or am I going to be malnourished? That's where the community comes in. That's where acknowledging, actually, we need to do these things for the youth or we need to say mm. there's issues with this because what do, where do I seek comfort from? I end up typing Google away. Oh, is it normal to feel? Is it, da, 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 da. Mm. it comes like that. And then you become part of communities that say that you feel better ostracized sort of like away from because all of a sudden you feel home in being alone Mm. if that makes sense Mm. it's really tricky i do think community engagement is something that we need to take more seriously absolutely 100 percent recognizing that um recognizing that we do have issues because like yes my religion is perfect but god knows we're not so it comes to that Mm. (laughs) also training training consultations like say for example if you do have people in the field or people who are interested Mm. the way how we deal with them our behavior our language techniques our communication because we don't know how to communicate no no. i think i don't know if you've 
but like we really don't know how to communicate I feel like you can see the most greatest sheikh and all that but mm. sometimes it's like they're just books they're just walking books how mm. do I how do I tell them this is the way forward or how do I explain to them or even just compassion even just compassion it comes to the most basic things I feel like before like part of being a Muslim 90% is actually being human mm. right being a good human. yeah being yeah. a good human and that sometimes you know it is individual to every person so yeah. whatever good means to you i mean like the i feel like the most amazing ways that actually people do become muslims is when they when they see like an act of kindness absolutely not because of like um a school of thought has said this mm. therefore you must do this yeah. that's not the way they went into it you you mentioned um sheikhs imams i think are Muslim institutions in the UK mm. um, whether that be charities or mosques need to take more of an active role mm-hmm. in educating yeah. their communities yep. so up and down the country yep. wherever there are mosques mm-hmm. um, we should have these training things available yeah. and in different events, languages as well different languages yeah. events that that are taking place yep. throughout the year yep. that um, it's difficult but teams you know within the community that are able to give up time to organize those things would make such a difference much better Mm. it's like you need to develop a sense of selflessness to actually help yourself it is true it's like at this point it's not about um having mental health services more accessible let's say Mm. but promoting a dialogue that's what we need and that's what you said like muslim representatives or people taking out their time that's what's needed Mm. because from there we can improve mental health literacy we can start to break down stigma we can start to actually um prevent things from going worse and just starting small because you can see it's the way forward Mm. like you can't like rome wasn't built in a day right right yeah you can't start with like such huge things it starts Mm. with the very smallest things Mm. communities maybe just taking action you know within themselves yeah. little steps to kind of formulate groups or talking Even just discussions just, there's just all sorts of different like you'd things be surprised how much a good fruitful discussion detangles a web even not necessarily say for example i'm with a group of friends and we're discussing an issue a mental yes, health issue yes. not everyone has to be speaking but the fact they're taking things in it's like oh oh that's actually true mm. things like that and then mm. you'd, you'd be surprised how more people come through and more people come through especially I think in particular to the older generation because mm. I think with youngsters nowadays or like Muslims like myself and stuff I think we're very much aware in the mental health capacity like right. we recognize right right but everybody is vulnerable it's not just yeah you know young yeah. people that yeah. suffer most exactly. and like you said statistics are skewed not necessarily relied upon mm-hmm. so actually all different groups within our society can and do suffer from mental health problems yeah especially for example we don't like our parents or older generations they wouldn't want to admit but it makes sense there's a lot of um there's a lot of concealed trauma Mm. and actually understanding that way would make me become more of an understanding person like you said before oh this is the reason why because they haven't healed Mm. because there is an inner child trapped Mm. and it's actually really sad when you discover these things you're like there's so much work to be done Mm. but you don't want it to be too late 30 years down the line when it's become this is me this is who i am this is too late to change because that's what you hear right it's like oh this is the way they are Mm. no this is their defense (laughs) yeah so i think there's that's not to say we lose hope no Mm. i think just like i said recognizing is the most important thing to begin with because it means we can start to dismantle Leading on from some of the things we spoke about in terms of reflection, um, what would you say are some of the self-care things that you might do? Another kind of jargon word, but yeah. um, any kind one. of rituals or things that you like yeah. to do for yourself to unwind, relax? I feel like to begin with, I feel we actually need to talk about what does self-care mean? For, like, how would, you dis- how would you say what self-care is? If I say self-care, what's the first thing that pops up? Uh, don't tell me face masks (laughs) (laughs) very good Um, for me it is relaxing to be honest with you but Mm. I am also aware that there are different aspects to self-care I agree right so how how you see it as you say and how you define it Mm. Um, but mine would be how do I relax and take time for myself in you know a lot my normal day-to-day where I'm constantly running around yeah. and you know doing things the rat race. <laughs> yeah yeah 
I think self-care has sort of such a huge consumerist token now. Mm. I feel like it's like been exploited back again with capitalism. Like self-care, self-care, self-care. Oh, it's like, I don't want to care for myself anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think self-care, there's different ways. There's the mental, there's the physical, mm. and there's the spiritual. I think spiritual is a huge part of it. When I say mental- That is o- often overlooked. That's Even by us Muslims. Either oversold or underlooked, subhanAllah, yeah. I think for mental, for example, like we mentioned before, journaling is a good way. Mm. Um, the whole emotional clarity thing. Yes. Um, also, um, another one. Maybe meditation. Meditation. Mm. But then, you know, with, interesting with meditation, it's like, do I need to meditate if I pray or am I doing praying wrong? Mm. Because, you know, with praying, you think it's an instruction. Maybe they can give you different things. Depends on you. Or maybe I, I should start seeing prayer as a different thing. Rather than think, seeing it as an instruction or as like a divine order I must do and complete because God doesn't need it, I need it. No. So maybe I should take prayer as a moment for me to reflect and really spill my like spill my worries. Like mm. say, I hope to become like that. Or even breathing techniques while I pray, right? That's very good. Because I think the whole breathing, meditation and all that stuff, I'm not saying treat prayers or yoga. Nice. I'm really not I saying love that. this combined thing. But it's thing. like being more intentional or being more present when I pray because yoga is all about being present, mm, right? In the moment, It's all yes. about being in the moment. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's what prayer is about. Yeah. Even though I'm like, even for example, the tahiyat mm. or for example, sujood or the mm. way how I place my palms, being aware mm. and more and more importantly, that divine orchestration to God's panala. Um, so... I think the way how we deal with prayer is very interesting as well. Mm. Um, another one I would say is um, exercise, nature. Nature is a really big one. I feel like because we're all we're all in an urban city now. Mm. We're all like we're all polluted in one way or another. I think just seeing some green, yeah, really helps. For me, it does wonders. I actually, Lord knows, if I see a dog, I'll get even more happy. Like, no, for <laughs> real, the trees and, like, grass and the chlorophyll, I'm like, yeah, give it to me. Especially, on, like, London here. It's just mm. CO2 after CO2. Mm. I mean, different things work for different people. True, but definitely, but you and I share humans, that. I, yeah. I love just yeah. walking in a forest or a field. I feel like that does breathing wonder. In. That does wonder. Mm. And also the thing with, um, which I think, guilty, this whole, like, being offline, mm. um, sort of taking a... A detox from technology which yes. is really tricky that's that's a flaw of mine mm. because like we mentioned before we're more present online than offline so maybe if i'm present offline and actually become more more in tune with my sensory experience mm. it can sort of delve into the whole self-care system if that makes sense mm-hmm. another one is food food mm. i think food is one of the biggest things out there that we undersell all the time and mm. i actually think holland and barrett is going to rip you off if you just go there because they're doing a much better job than we are because <laughs> i actually think <laughs> it's the prophet's um, prophetic tradition to actually really take care with the way you eat right. i may be speaking as a hypocrite right now but i, I do want to start to take that even more seriously i think that was almost like a trend that's come and gone yeah you know the health craze yeah. but actually yeah. It's something that um, should be really considered. You know, outside of our nervous system, 70% of the neurons, which is 100 million of them, are in our gut. So there is a gut, they actually call the gut your second brain. Mm. That's how important it is. And that's probably a way that intermittent fasting comes in as well. And also mm. your microbacteria that's there and everything. Mm. So if 70% of like the outside of my nervous system is in my gut, and mm. it's actually, it connects through a cord called the vagus nerve. So... If they're in tune together through this, surely what I'm putting in is having a huge effect here. On my yeah, on your mental psyche, well-being. on your mental well-being, on the way, even like your brain would affect the way how you take things. For example, if I'm feeling sick, it's because I'm feeling anxious and the other way around, they work together. Right. So me taking care of the way I eat, or like you said before, crunching, mm. I think has an effect whether right. you like it or not. So there's always signals going from the brain to your stomach, from your stomach to your brain. Yep. It's like mm. a Bluetooth sort of thing. Mm. And mm. Um, yeah, so I think we really we really don't take care. I feel like as Muslims, we don't take care with the way we eat, especially with the whole, the whole, like the whole generation, of, like everything's food, let's go out, Insta fast food pics food, and yeah. all that fast food, fast food and everything. Mm. We're actually supporting gluttony. Mm. We don't want to admit it, mm. but we're obsessed with our stomachs. I think it's this lifestyle as the well lifestyle. that we're in now. Also the treat yourself lifestyle. 
hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't mm. think we're attentive or mindful mm. because mindful is like you can do yoga and you can do this and you can talk it out, mm. but surely you're like you know. The, I don't know if you have the old phrase. You're not gonna put like old oil in a Lamborghini or something like that. Mm. But it's the same with your body, right? I mean, I know in Arabic they have this phrase. Um, this phrase is like um, I don't know how you translate it properly, but it's like healthy body, healthy mind sort of okay. thing. So they are connected to one another because mm. we are closely. Yeah. We're not just like, I don't think we should cheapen ourselves with cheap food. Mm. Yeah, we should yeah. take, I mean. I think coming off of that as well, cooking is, is a thing that I really enjoy. That's the thing I need to start to enjoy. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I like, like what, what kind of like cookings do you like to do? Well, I'm Kurdish, so I make a lot of <laughs> rice food. and soups and chicken and stuff like, like that. Like you make wine leaves and stuff sometimes yeah, yeah yeah no i love that yeah. but even like for example cooking instead of like ordering out and things like that the mm. whole process of like washing food and yes, things like that yes, yes they yes. even say even it's very therapeutic they even say turn it spiritual they say like send salawat in the nabi why you do that like have barakah in your food mm. like you're doing two in one right mm. subhanallah mm. um another one i would say with self-care i actually think good friendships are a big one mm. big one because mm. it's like the environment that you put yourself in is either going to deplete you or nourish you you choose mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i feel like we're with like a society that takes offense to everything they really don't take respect to who they're friends with because if i'm not saying cut your toxic friends da, 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 mm. but be aware of how they're feeding you because if like yeah if you're in an environment that is constantly toxic or constantly blame or constantly victim or constantly things like that mm. you're not going to grow from there Right. You're going to feel depleted each and every time. I think um, good friendships is a good self-care. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you was about a hadith. Mm. I know that you wanted to mention one here I today. Because you know how you um, you were talking about compassion mm. and how can like the Muslim community be more active and things like that. Mm. One of them is recognizing our humanity. And I say this because, and you know how we spoke about empathy before and everything, it just took me to a hadith that says, um, it's something along the lines where if if a Muslim, if one part of them is hurt, the whole body hurts. So it takes compassion, love and mercy, right? And I think we forget that we're so used to being instructed, do this or as haram or do this. Da, 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 da. Mm. We don't take a step back to say, to actually resonate with the human. Right. Because I think another one for self-care is actually communal care. It's actually being a community service because it helps your own self. Mm. So I think that's compassion becomes a huge part of you as a person. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing to have you. No, I loved it. Um, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Mindful Muslim podcast. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all of the others. Make sure to leave us ratings as well. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs>